0: Welcome to Beyond the Book. In this episode, we'll talk about success strategies and how they're designed by triumphant people often lead to amazing accomplishments. I'm Mike Calandrillo, guiding you to the essential elements that routinely show up in the lives of successful individuals. And my next guest is here to help you accomplish your objectives in a more timely and efficient manner. Dr. Hassan A. Teta is a U.S. Navy Captain and Associate Professor of Surgery at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences and Adjunct Facility at Howard University College of Medicine. He was a Robert Wood Johnson Health Policy Fellow from 2012 to 2013 assigned to the U.S. Congress Congressional Budget Office. Currently, Dr. Teta is a thoracic surgeon for MedStar Health and Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. He leads a specialized thoracic adapted recovery team in Washington, D.C., and his research in thoracic transplantation aims to expand heart and lung recovery and save lives. Dr. Hassan is founder and principal of Teta Consulting Group and a best-selling author of four books. He is board certified in thoracic surgery, general surgery, clinical informatics, and healthcare management, and is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons and fellow of American College of Healthcare Executives. Dr. Teta achieved the Allie Sheridan Award by the Thoracic Surgery Foundation for Research and Education, was named a TEDMED Frontline Scholar, and is a TEDx speaker. He's an alumnus of Harvard Medical School Writers Workshop and Yale Writers Conference and lives near Washington, D.C. with his wife, son, and daughter. Dr. Teta, thank you for so much for joining the show. We do appreciate your taking uh, time out of your busy schedule.
1: Oh, thank you, Mike, for having me. and pleasure to visit with you and your audience.
0: Thank you so much. Um, now I read your chapter. Uh, it's compelling to say the least. You've got quite an interesting story, something that, you know, struck me right away. If you could just give us a little bit of back on your background for our listeners not that maybe have yet to pick up the book. Um, you know, tell us what you're currently doing to help your clients, uh, in, in the current situation that we are involved in.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, the, uh, the book was written well before, uh, uh, you know, what has been taking much of the public's attention these days. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, to answer your question, I'm from a small little town in New York called Brooklyn. Uh, we had talked about that just before getting on air. And, uh, you know, that was very consequential to uh, pretty much everything in my life. Uh, for, for many that have grown up in, in uh, you know, the five boroughs, uh, especially during the time when, when it was for me, it was pretty consequential. I was fortunate enough to get to uh, go to college. I always wanted to be a doctor. Uh, and prior to getting into medical school in undergrad, I uh, became deathly ill uh, with bacterial meningitis. Uh, and for those of you uh, in your audience that may have uh, read about bacterial meningitis, so look it up. You can, you can appreciate very quickly that it's a lethal condition. Well, while I, uh, I was recovering from that, unfortunately, I had very good care uh, for physicians, nurses, and, and uh, the health team that took care of me. I, I really appreciated uh, not only my life, but, you know, the great work that the healthcare providers provide uh, to those in need uh, and, and uh, being in that uh, patient position, uh, being uh, you know, sort of in the hospital for a couple of weeks in the ICU and then covering along uh, from, for a few months. It, it uh, really dawned on me how, uh, how much uh, empathy I gained for the patients I would ultimately take care of having been put in that position. So the book essentially is a culmination of, of you know, not only that time in my life, but all of the uh, encounters that I've had with my patients over time, uh, and really a, uh, a sort of blueprint and a framework for how I believe healthcare providers, or quite frankly, anyone that has ever put in a position to take care of a fellow human, how they can practice principles that I call human care, because I believe it was what was delivered to me when I was in uh my vulnerable and, and, and time of need. And, uh, and that's what I'm trying to espouse in the book. So the book is a culmination of, of, of that story, uh, as well as the uh, many encounters I've had with my patients. I share those stories and the lessons learned from those encounters and provide this framework uh, of how to deliver a human care.
0: Life-saving success strategy, the art of human care. You wrote about burnout in the healthcare industry. Um, tell our listeners about it and why you chose to share
1: this topic specifically with the world. Right. Well, uh, commensurate to not only my experience of being a patient, uh, throughout my entire medical school career, that is at every level, whether it was an undergrad and medical school as an intern, young intern starting out and as a resident, and even as a fellow when I was doing my advanced training in cardiac surgery, Believe it or not, Mike. At every one of those stages in my career, I lost a friend, or close colleague, or someone that I knew uh, to suicide. Uh, You know, and uh, many people don't talk about that, and it's something that's probably not well known. But many healthcare providers, who would think that they're you know on top of the world in terms of professional satisfaction and so forth, uh, would would not necessarily be. Vulnerable to that, uh, but in fact they are, and a lot of it comes from stress. It comes from burnout, it comes from despair, and all of the other things that lead to uh, one harming themselves in that way. Uh, and so, one of the attempts that uh, this that uh, this work that I've been uh, you know, sort of dedicating my life to uh, achieve is to help those individuals uh, to not go down that path. Uh, those colleagues of mine that I've recognized over a career and over a lifetime of taking care of patients uh, to reach that point of despair and disappointment and, and uh, hopelessness uh, and try and give them a perspective uh, that will hopefully uh, sort of engender renewed uh, vision for what their work does and, and how they can impact the, the lives of others uh, and save them from, uh, you know, ultimately uh, a bad outcome. So, the work is really uh you know twofold it's to help those care providers that that want to deliver human care, but it's also to my professional colleagues and anyone really quite frankly that in their professional life or otherwise uh find uh, you know areas of times of hopelessness uh and and this is uh serving uh to be an inspiration and some instructions for how to dig out of that
0: no it it's it's absolutely inspiring you know it just it's something you don't want to say that. As a patient, you sometimes take for granted, but oftentimes as a patient, look at the other end of the spectrum and how the doctors feel and how, what they're going through and who takes care of them when they're sick. It's just something, you know, you would think it's human nature and, and we should all be just privy and open to it. But it's something that honestly, been to the doctor how many times in the past years and how many times can people say, well, how's that doctor fared? How's that nurse fared? And it's something that we shouldn't, um, shouldn't be so blind to, and, and in essence, and, and I think that the work that you're doing to make it aware that, and you wrote in your chapter so eloquently, is, is just so important that people understand that these are almost like superhero famous people that they should be recognized for their work, and, and they're just as vulnerable to everything else that goes on, and, and, and I tip my hat to you and, and all the, the healthcare workers in, in, in the world right now.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, I should emphasize and probably highlight because one of the things that I was very deliberate about doing is, is uh, making sure that the framework was something that would be easily relatable to anyone, whether you are, as you mentioned, a superhero healthcare provider or you're a caretaker at home taking care of your elderly parent or uh, someone that had special needs, a child or anything like that, or just quite frankly, volunteering uh, in a hospital or volunteering at a, at a soup kitchen or something like that. And there are three elements which I have, like I said, distilled all of the uh, things and pearls of wisdom that I've learned uh, over the years. And it and and encapsulates what I think is uh, the embodiment of the art of human care. And those three things are purpose, personalization, and partnerships. Uh, and the purpose comes from and comes into play uh, in terms of discovering if you're a care provider, what the purpose of that individual is you're taking care of. Because I remember when I was in my patient sort of persona, and I go back to that often because I almost died. So it's something that left an indelible impression upon me. I know one of the things that I think is responsible for keeping me alive during the really dire time was the fact that I wanted to be a doctor, and it was really, it was really neat and something I, I'll never forget. And that is the doctor that took care of me. He knew that I wanted to be a doctor, so he would keep asking me about that. And that was my purpose. That's what kept me driven, you know. And he personalized my care because he was able to bring that up and it made me feel like, you know, there was something worth living for. And so that's where that purpose comes from. And personalization is everyone is unique. I realize that as the many patients I've taken care of over the years now, everyone responds to therapy and instruction in different ways. And you have to connect with people and understand what personally impacts their life, what's really important to them. Uh, And then the partnership uh, part, you know, anything great in the world uh, is often done with a partnership, with a number of people, with teamwork and people working together in unison toward a common mission. And whether that mission is taking care of some patient uh, in the case of what happens at the hospital, I always know as a heart surgeon, it requires a whole team effort. It's just not me in the operating room. It takes the nurses, the doctors that are, you know, consulting with me. It takes the anesthesiologists in the operating rooms, the perfusionists. It takes rehab and even, quite frankly, the family members to rally around the whole recovery process for the patient. And that's the same even, you know, outside of the hospital when you have someone that's ill. You know, the whole family has to come and rally around them, bring them some chicken soup or, you know... The, a special treat. Uh, and so these three things, the, the purpose, the personalization, and the partnerships, I think are universally applied as a, as a sort of a framework and, and you know, basic instructions for how to deliver human care.
0: It's essential. And you know, you're such a positive person um, you know, and, and reading through the book. It's, it seems like you, the, way you, the way you quote things and the way you say things, it, it makes it apparent that the mind has no limits. And obviously you are living proof of that. Um, the fact that you, you referenced it, that you had this near-death experience. And um, I'm going to quote you, if you don't mind. You say, fortunately, my healing mind took over and did what medicine alone could not have done. I had a positive outlook on my future, engendered by my recent interview for medical school, and a spirited soul that believed I was destined to become a healer. Now, the, for those that have read your chapter, or hopefully will if they haven't after this, how do you convey this? Is it, is it the three Ps that you just spoke to? Or how do you get them to that mindset that you know there is a brighter end, there is something to look forward to, you know, in especially in today's day and age when when there is so much
1: negativity and and so many questions that people have. All right, that's a great question. I think it comes from again those three Ps. You're absolutely right. You know, you're only going to learn about someone's purpose by really listening to them. You know, and sometimes you know that listening, you know, can occur in a number of ways, obviously through communication, but it can come through reading their work, you know, talking to their friends and, and figuring it out. You know, I know that you have a purpose and, and now we haven't talked that much, but I know your purpose is to bring to light, bring to light and to bring to life, you know, the author's work, you know, through your platform. and And that's a great purpose. And now, you know, understanding that purpose, that's a, that's a good thing. And so I try to, to bring that into the practice of, of, of the work that I do, whether that be with my colleagues or with my patients, I know that purpose is really important. And sometimes you can actually help folks discover their purpose, you know, and and, and one of the ways I, I kind of illustrate that is I ask folks not necessarily what's your purpose because that's kind of a hard thing to, you know, have when articulate, especially when you're meeting them for the first time. But you ask them questions that, you know, infer what their purpose is. Like, what do you do? What do you enjoy doing? What brings you joy? What makes a smile to your face? Someone says gardening or someone says taking care of my kids or I really love volunteering at church. Then I start to understand, wow, this is a service oriented kind of person and their purpose is to help others, you know, And or someone says, I really love hunting, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is like a sportsman. This is someone who really likes to, you know, get outdoors. And now knowing and understanding their purpose, that's really you know, uh, kind of foundational because now you can really start personalizing whatever it's going to be, whether it's my advice to say, hey, you know, you really like going out hunting. You know, if you take some of those, those medications that we prescribe for you, you might be able to hunt for a really long time. Or if you really like taking care of your grandkids and seeing them grow up and they bring joy to your life, you know what? That diabetes medication that we've been prescribing for you, If you take that, that's going to help you live longer. So you're going to see those grandkids grow up. And now they'll be able to graduate from, you know, maybe college, maybe med school or law school, or you'll see them have their own kids and you'll be like a great grandmother. And you can see their glow in their face. And they're just like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And it's just about personalizing things, you know, based on what that person's purpose is. But that comes foundationally from listening and being attuned to what that person uh, is all about. And then finally, the partnership. You know, again, I go back to the fact that nothing great, I think, in this world is ever accomplished by one individual. Uh, you know, the individual is celebrated, you know, because it's just more glamorous, it's more romantic. But everyone that's successful, every one individual that's successful, there is undoubtedly a whole team of people that have been there to support him or her to achieve those things. And that comes again into play when when you're talking about the uh, respect of people getting better or getting, you know, well. Uh, rehabbing, recovering from an illness, uh, it really takes a whole sort of village, if you will, to, to rally around those folks. Uh, and, and again, those three Ps, I think, are, are the way that I like to, you know, illuminate and bring to life this aspect of human care and, and making it a life-saving success strategy, you know, and a, kind of a basis for how I like to bring my, uh, my work into, into vivid reality and, and what I like to share with my colleagues and, and my patients through practice.
0: All right. Well, you've motivated me. And if you were a football coach, I'd run through a brick wall
1: for you. So <laughs>
0: thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you're, you're so many things, obviously, um, where you're never categorized by one specific thing. But not only are you a thoracic surgeon and a doctor and a father and a husband, you're a best selling author now. What does it mean to you? You know, anything that is that is stood out that's different than maybe you didn't expect?
1: Well, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know if I, I feel any different. I think that maybe perhaps. Uh, that distinction or designation, if you will, I think the one thing it does is it provides you with a greater platform and you know more people that you can share your message with and you know I think many authors uh write books for all kinds of reasons i i I wrote a book for uh you know a singular purpose I think uh to sort of share with the world uh this great idea that I think is a good idea of how to deliver human care. Because I really think foundationally, it's a way to positively change the world. And, you know, when I was a young kid, uh, my dad, who's now passed away, uh, would always talk about, you know, one's legacy. And, you know, being a young kid, I didn't really understand what legacy meant. You know, (laughs) in your certain age, you're not really thinking that far into the future. But fortunately, my father was very forward thinking. And he told me one time, he said, you know, Hassan, you know, if you want to have a legacy, if you want to live forever, one of the things you should aim to do is write a book. And I always thought to myself, I wonder why he said that. And, you know, after, of course, maturing a little bit, going through adolescence, young adulthood, but really being uh, one who loves to read as I do, I recognized what he meant. You know, when you read and you read a good book, especially one, it doesn't even have to be a good book as someone defines a good book to you is whatever resonates with you. It's like art, you know, you're going to appreciate certain things. And some people were like, oh, that book wasn't really good for me, but it may be the best book for you. But nonetheless, the, the central theme is the same. The way that an author conveys a message to you that transforms your way of thinking, or at least transports you to another place where you are like, whether it's a fiction in another world. Or if it's a nonfiction that gives you principles and inspiration, uh, like you said, to, to be motivated to do something, that is incredible because you're not there with that person, but as an author, you can use that medium as a way to really change the life, hopefully for someone in a positive way. And if you can do that for many people, and if you're a best-selling author, maybe more people will read your book, then you can do that for a great many people and uh, you know, your work will actually be appreciated by many really it's important work
0: and it's something that not many people are, are blessed to do but you you have been successful and and something you, you just spoke about is is your love of art and um you know reading over the reading over what you wrote you know I, I found out a little bit more about you than I didn't know and that you were accepted to the prestigious art and design high school in New York City uh as a young man and you one thing led to another and you didn't go and I don't want to give the story away because I want people to read the chapter but um, do you still use art as a creative outlet? Has it manifested something different in you entirely?
1: Oh, art has always been and always will be uh, a very central and important element in my life, you know? So th- it would just give you a little bit more context without giving too much of the story away. As you mentioned, you know, my same father, that same dad of mine <laughs> told me to write a book. Turns out he was pretty, pretty wise in other things. Although sometimes I always wondered, but I, when I got into the art school, I really wanted to go to the art school. I was super excited about that. My dad actually told me he wouldn't allow me to go to art school because he didn't think I was going to make any money. He said, it's going to be hard to make a living as, as an artist. Well, now that I know, they, they're quite frankly, some really famous and wealthy artists. So art is not such a bad thing for making a living if you're successful at it. But nonetheless, I didn't go to art school, but I've always, you know, in my own way, nurtured my artistic sort of muse, uh, if you will. So writing poetry, and still drawing and, and painting and things like that. I always, you know, tried to do that, not in a professional way, but, you know, I wanted to bring art into this work, actually. So some of the illustrations are done by my daughter, who is a budding artist. Oh. I haven't dissuaded her from going to art school, <laughs> if that's her desire. Uh, because I, I want her to pursue her passion. Uh, but in my everyday work, you know, very seriously, I do bring art into, into my work. Because I think art is, a, is really a manifestation of creativity. And it's not creativity like the Van Gogh or the, or the Picasso, which we all kind of immediately think of when we think about creative artists. Because I think what, what art and creativity really is, is sort of bringing the right solution to the right problem at the right time. Now you can think of that in a literal sense when the paintbrush touches the canvas with the right color and if the timing is right, and, and you get this beautiful work. But you can also bring, you, know, to bear in, in my work in surgery, you know, the right surgical solution for this patient's problem that's going to make them better, and thinking creatively about how I can personalize the care for one patient. And probably have to alter or adjust it for a different patient just because they just have a different kind of composition. Their purpose may be different. And I recognize they may not have some of the same support systems in place. So, all of that to me is creative and that's all artistic, you know. And that's why I think in many ways I'm not unique in identifying or recognizing how integral art is to medicine. And you hear people talk about, you know, the art and the practice of medicine. It's because when it comes to healing, you know, there are many ways to heal people. Uh, You know, I don't think we have the market cornered on how on to heal someone. If you look through the ages, people have tried all types of different things to heal and, and they've been very successful in it. And it's always been an art. It's always been a little bit of a, a science and an art. And that's what makes it so beautiful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, art and creativity have no boundaries. And, and every day you do what you do and doesn't have to be pigeonholed into one thing. uh, It's an expression of yourself and it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, thank you for that. And um, back to the book, you know, I know that this is just one tool that you use to help people. Uh, And there's a passage that you wrote that I genuinely love. The art of human care is my prescription for the problem of sick care focus over health and wellness and the remedy of our inherent dissatisfaction with healthcare. Our inherent dissatisfaction with healthcare is... What? Why do you feel this way? I know why I feel this way, but I want to know. I want you to really drive it home because, again, you're the author, you're the man that practices it day in and day out. Give us that insight as to why the dissatisfaction is there with the healthcare.
1: Ah, uh, wow! That that could be a really long show for sure, but I'll try and make it really succinct. I think people have lots of dissatisfaction with healthcare, you know, as a system, right? Mm-hmm. And and we'll be very specific, right? Because not all healthcare systems are the same. But let's say we talk about the the American, North American, United States of America healthcare system we have. There are many great things about our healthcare system. It's awesome. I mean, it's been responsible for increasing our longevity. It's mm-hmm. been, you know deemed and dubbed, depending on who you talk to or who you speak as, one of the best healthcare systems in the world. And those things are all true. Uh, But I guess where I'm getting at with my frustration about health, uh, the healthcare system, is that oftentimes uh, patients will go into the hospital and they will be administered some some drugs or some medicines or some therapies and they may not necessarily feel better and they may not necessarily feel healthy. and if they're not in the hospital and they're going to see a doctor in the office or going to a clinic or so forth, they may just be kind of on this sort of wheel where they get more medication and there's a little bit more drugs prescribed and they just kind of keep taking it, but they're not really feeling better. And and so it goes back to my three P's again, you know, finding out what the patient's purpose is, personalizing their care in this partnership, because for many patients. We come to physicians seeking health, not necessarily maintenance of some chronic condition. And from the taxpayer and from greater society standpoint, we spend a lot of money. We spend an enormous amount of money of our GDP, a significant proportion, much more than other countries that have way better outcomes, if you will. Uh, that That percentage of our GDP that's spent toward health doesn't necessarily bring us health. It brings us health care. So it's that sick care that I was talking about. It's sort of nurturing sick conditions and not really looking for true help. I think we would be very well um, satisfied if, as a society, we were spending a lot of money and what we were getting in return was a lot of health. <laughs> we're not really getting a lot of health. We're getting you know, a perpetuation of some sick care. Now, health is, quite frankly, not that hard to achieve if you think about it a lot of the things that, you know, bring you health are things that are behavioral. They're things that can be coached. They're things that can be just learned, eating well, exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, getting good sleep, not stressed out, being, you know, uh, stress-free, eating whole foods, drinking lots of water. Like those are really like, you know, foundational, fundamental things that if you do that, and if you did that well, you actually would have a, pretty healthy life. And not really, we don't really spend a lot of money on those kinds of things because it doesn't really pay. It's a, lot, it's a lot more profitable to give you a pill than to sit down with the patient, talk to them, understand what their purpose is, try and personalize an approach to their health that is going to bring them health, but not just give them health care, which is easy because I could just write a prescription and I say, here, take that. But I will stop to ask you what you eat I've never stopped to ask you what kind of, you know, what kind of diet you have. If you can afford to buy healthy, nutritious things, like maybe I can address that, you know, can you exercise? Is your neighborhood safe to exercise in? Do you even know how to exercise? Do you know why you should exercise? Like that type of exchange, which I believe is practicing human care, is not health healthcare. Healthcare is, hey, Mike, you're sick. I'm going to write you a prescription. Go fill that. Call me uh, in two weeks. Right. I've not really done anything for you. I don't know why you're sick. It could be that you're not really sick. It could be that you're emotionally stressed out. And that's manifesting itself as headaches and lack of sleep. And you're just feeling kind of like, you know, unwell. Right. <laughs> but I can find out, hey, you know what? Maybe you're stressed out because of whatever condition it is. And maybe I can't fix that condition, but I can help bring some awareness to that. And then we can probably work together in a partnership and try and figure out, you know, how I can probably help address some of those issues to alleviate some of those burdens that may be, uh, you know, stressing you out. So that's the difference. I know we can go on and on about it, but I think the distinct difference is uh, health care is different than health and uh, human care is certainly different than health
0: Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, you've given us so much to think about and so much to really appreciate and and that's the point of of what we're doing here, you know, with this, with this podcast is we're just trying to dig deeper uh, within the pages and, you know, maybe get you to write a second book, but you know, that's besides the point, what I know it's a broad question, but putting this all together, what is the biggest lesson that our listeners can learn from your book? If somebody walked up to you right now and said, Dr. San, give it to me. What, what do I need to know?
1: That's great. I'm going to quote from my book because that's, that's something that I have distilled and it, it comes from wisdom that, I and I've, I've got from the ages, and I've, I've kind of put my own uh, uh, sort of spin on it, if you will, and uh, created it uh, to uh, be appropriate to answer your question, but also to, to there'll be a universal message to everyone. I believe foundationally that health, uh, particularly in the times that we're living in right now, health is foundationally important for everything else that matters in life. And how do I know this? You take the richest person in the world and you give them a chronic condition or you give them a a terminal condition, they would give, I guarantee you, everything that they have to bring their health back. Mm -hmm. So with that premise and with that really big, important supposition and assumption that health is foundationally important, the way I would answer your question as a lasting imprint so people think about is this. With health, wisdom reveals itself. Art becomes manifest. We have strength to fight life's challenges. Our wealth becomes useful. We may apply our intelligence and positively change the world for generations. My mission in this world is to bring health to everyone and to help those that are taking care of people in terms of helping them to bring health to those that they take care of.
0: It's so deep, but it's so easy to understand. You know, it really is. And the way you put your stamp on it and so eloquent, it's just, um, I just, I love it. I, I think it's so important and uh, the work that you're doing. And I, I hope you get
1: to do it for as long as you choose to do it for. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, to share this work with your audience and with you. And thank you for, for giving me the opportunity.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Now, where can everyone find, uh, find you, find your products? Would well, Just uh, give us the rundown.
1: All right. Well, I have a website. It's uh, DrTeta.com. It's spelled D-O-C-T-O-R-T-E-T-T-E-H.com. So all my work is there. I have some blogs. I have some other books there. Uh, so certainly I would start with the website, the book, The Art of Human Care and Success Strategies and some of the other books that I've written, they're all on Amazon. So just look my name up, Hassan Teta. And it should come up. Um, I also have Twitter at DrTeta, uh, Facebook, Hassan Teta. And uh, LinkedIn, Hassan Teta. So well, you can find me on all of those uh, different channels and uh, Instagram as well, Doctor Teta. And uh, you know, I try and share my work on all those different platforms, understanding the different audiences to all of those. But uh, the singular purpose, though, is like I said, to uh, help people learn how to practice uh, the art of human care and uh, you know, be an evangelist for uh, health.
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! And Doctor Teta, we. We thank you once again for coming on the show and, and being so gracious and uh, we hope to hear from you again soon and uh, best of luck in everything.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mike.
0: And that concludes this episode of Beyond the Book. I'm Mike Calendrillo reminding you that success is not just a target or a journey. It's a
1: way of life. We'll see you at the top.